What's up, everyone? Ryan Ray here in Aside the War Room. My guest today is Jeff Fletcher. But first, let's thank our sponsor, which is Bluehost. You're looking for hosting, looking for free advertisement. I've got the deal for you. Use my link at ryanraysenior.com hosting to get your hosting for your domain. Send me a screenshot, and I'll run you a free ad on this podcast. Can't beat that with a stick. Okay, today we have on Jeff Fletcher, the author of Showtime, the inside story of Shohei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played. And I think he's right. Okay, so we won't yak anymore. We'll get to the show right now. Jeff, it is lovely to have you on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Uh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so let me ask you this question. Um, it feels like when you hear the ball come off the bat, it's like Otani hates the baseball because he hates it so hard. <laughs> What is going on? Uh, he definitely has a different sound when he hits it. Uh, when he hits it really well, you can hear it's it's different. I mean, there's certain guys that are just like that. And uh, I don't think he hates the baseball, though. I think he's just really good at hitting it. <laughs> uh, as a Red Sox fan, he hit the monster a few weeks ago, or maybe two months ago now. It's not like he broke the monster. It's like, man, it's just a ton of power. I mean, just. He knocked uh, his number off. Yeah, he knocked the number off. That's right. That's that right. Crazy. Yeah. Walk me through maybe his past. Is, is was he is he like been into the the um, body not bodybuilding but you know extreme like focus on body health? Is it just how he's is he how he's built? How did he get this power? Well, I mean, he's been pretty committed to being a great baseball player ever since he was a little kid, and he's just really uh, has a the perfect body for baseball as far as you know he's tall and and thin but he's you know well built but he's certainly not like too too muscular to where he doesn't have good movement and and that kind of thing and uh i think the fact that he is a right-handed pitcher and a left-handed hitter helps him do both because it kind of evens out the stresses on his body and uh you know he does he's very careful about what he eats um he works out a lot uh you know i don't he's not the kind of guy that's just you know, throwing all the time or just in the batting cage all the time. He's got it kind of dialed into where he knows exactly how much of that he needs to do. So he doesn't stress himself out. And he goes, you know, he does a lot of work in the gym, works a lot on his legs. His legs are a big key to, you know, his success. Um, and he uh, had surgery, knee surgery at the end of the 2019 season. And that was one of the reasons that he hadn't really hit at the level that uh, we saw last year previously just because he didn't have his legs under him the way he did last year so it all sort of came together for him last year what do the other players think about what he's doing because you know he's, he's, he's pitching he's batting he's crushing the ball and it's not like he's mediocre at either he's pretty decent I mean does, is he going to revolutionize the way that younger players think about playing as they come up to the ranks well to answer your first question the other players really are amazed by him and they really are where you have to go to get the full appreciation for what he does because we don't really understand it just as civilians you know because we're all like hey you know in little league i pitched and hit you know whatever but uh in the major leagues it just doesn't happen you know it's it's so hard to be good at either one of those things you need to give it 100% of your energy and the fact that he can do both they just find incredible and you know even at the all-star game this year as i was going around talking to players and now this is you know the second year in and they still just can't believe that he's doing it so uh, as for revolutionizing it i think no he's not 
because it's just still really hard to do. And I think that as much as kids watching and playing in high school and college, they want to do it. The teams are just not going to let them because they're just not, they don't have the ability to do it really. And uh, even if somebody does have the ability, but you know, they need more time to develop one of the skills. Well, you know, say you're ready to be in the majors, majors as a pitcher, but you're not ready as a hitter. The team's not going to wait. They're not going to let you catch up so you can do both. They're just going to say, well, sorry, you're a pitcher in the major leagues. So that's, I think we're going to see more Otanis. How long can you keep it playing both, both uh, pitching and hitting? I don't know. Uh, Nobody's done it. So uh, Babe Ruth only did it for two years. And then he said, this is enough. I don't want to pitch anymore. So this is the second year that Otani's really done it. Uh, You know, he did it for half a year in 2018. Then he got hurt. But he made it all the way through 2021. He's made it all the way through 22 so far. And uh, I don't know if I don't think you can do this for 10 more years, but I don't know. Is it five more, seven more, three more? Really have no idea. And so, you know, one of the things you think about is, um, you know, starting pitcher, they came out, they got the big bag of ice, the shoulders wrapped. You know, they can't pitch for five days. They long toss. They're kind of, I don't say they're baby because I'm not trying to make light of it, but but they're, 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 they're handled with care to make sure that they recover fast. Um, what do the trainers around the league think about this? Because all of these methods to make sure these arms are good, he's also breaking those norms as well. Uh. You know, I haven't really talked to other trainers, but I have talked to some other pitchers that that say, you know, basically like the day after I make a start, I kind of feel like my body got run over by a truck. You know, it's just how dead they are and how much they need to just kind of chill out and do nothing. And for Otani to be in the lineup as the DH and getting triples and stuff like that, uh, you know, beating out infield hits, you know, hitting home runs the day after he threw 100 pitches is pretty incredible. But but as for just his, you know, his arm care, you know, I think he, he doesn't throw, you know, an insane amount, uh, you know, so I think that's how he takes care of it. Plus the Angels give him extra rest in between, you know, regular traditional starters start on four days rest. Usually Otani never does that. It's five is the minimum. And very often they give him six. So uh, that is part of it too. When did you know last year was going to be special? You know, the first game that he pitched, he threw a 101-mile-an-hour fastball in the top of the first inning. And then in the bottom of the first inning, he came up and he hit a ball 115 miles an hour off the bat, about 450 feet. Now, there are only about 4 or 5% of guys, of pitchers that can throw 101, and about 4 or 5% of hitters that can hit the ball 115. Obviously, nobody else is on both those lists except Otani. So when he did both those two things in the first inning of the first game that he pitched of the whole season, that was a pretty good clue that uh, that we might be onto something. And how does he handle this? How did he handle last year? And because going back, thinking through as I was getting ready for this interview, just um, I remember Dan Patrick was talking about you know at the All Star game ways to handle him, and so there was these conversations about you know a how to maximize his value uh, for entertainment purposes, and then B, how to maximize his value for longevity of the Angels, and then C, like in the season, how do you manage it? There's a lot of different stresses coming on him. How does he man- and how did he manage that? Well, he's got to figure it out uh, to where, you know, he knows how much batting practice he needs to take. He knows how much throwing he needs to do. He knows how much he needs to do in the gym. And he knows how much sleep he needs to get. So all of this, they sort of just turned over to him in 2021, as opposed to in the first 
year they did it in 2018, the team had all these built-in days off to try to, you know, keep him healthy and it didn't work. He still got hurt. So, uh, you know, after basically after 2020, he had still been injured and he hadn't performed very well. So I think the team said, what we're doing doesn't work. We're going to let you decide you do it. Uh, that coincided with him really being healthy and having done a lot of work uh, over the winter to to really gain knowledge about his own body and get it in better shape. Uh, and all that came together in, in just a perfect storm. So in 2021, he pretty much took over his uh, routine, and it's been that way ever since. What would it take to write a part two to this book, <laughs> the greatest <laughs> season ever played again? <laughs> Well, you know, if he wins the MVP again, uh, I imagine that we might have to uh, add a chapter to to this book to just kind of update it. But uh, it's still, I still think last season was was better than this season, just because he was a better hitter. He's a better pitcher this year, but uh, you know, the overall I think was a little bit better last year. But he's if this season is right there too. I mean, if if this season would have been the first season he had as a two way player, this would have been the greatest baseball season ever played. It's amazing to think about that, just that, you know, it, as sports fans, we get in the midst of these great players that come through and it's hard to appreciate them because they do the same thing over and over and over. It's like, you know, the Jordan years, he's just that great every year. You kind of like, eh, but no, it's, it's historically great. Being that he's playing for the Angels and yet he's having these great seasons, how can we appreciate what's going on here? Well, the it certainly doesn't help that he plays for a team that is not very good, and it's on the West Coast. So I think that, uh, you know, as much as he is such a huge baseball star and Major League Baseball loves him and wants to put his face on everything, those things work against him. And, you know, the Angels certainly would love to be better. They're working on it. Uh, they, they can't move themselves to the East Coast, but, uh, you know, Otani's going to be a free agent at the end of the 23 season. And, you know, we'll see if, if the angels are able to resign him or if he goes somewhere else that could change things. But for now, uh, you know, I think we just have to, you have to kind of look for it to appreciate what he's doing because it's not just splashed everywhere as much as uh, major league baseball tries. How has uh, Mike Trout handled this? Because he went from being kind of the guy in baseball to now his teammates, the has the greatest season of all time. Oh, he's fine with it. He he, <laughs> he, he has no need to uh, have any more spotlight. He is perfectly happy living his quiet life and having people not bother him. So uh, if he could uh, be the second best player on his team, he would be thrilled with that. What does this say about baseball, though? Because you, you have these two just incredible players uh, and obviously no rings to produce and playoffs are, are scarce. I mean, can't keep a manager. Okay. They kept a manager probably too long. They just replaced the manager. What, what does it say, like, about the state of baseball? How can they build superstars if you have these great players who can't really produce wins? In the playoffs, it's a little bit different because the games are tighter, but over 162, they can't produce enough wins to matter. Yeah, you can't do it in the playoffs either, uh, you know, and it's probably less because there's fewer games. So that's just the way baseball is. It's the way it's always been. You need – you know, there's nine guys on on the field, and to to have a really good team, you need to have 18, 19, 20 good players, uh, and there's no way around it. That's just a fact of the sport, and there's no way to change it. You don't think that 
MLB is concerned about that aspect. Like, okay, I, I get maybe 60s, 70s, where you kind of, or 80s, you kind of have the nation's attention. But today, you need to get attention. And if you can't, if your stars can't win you a few games or enough games to matter, um, you know, it's just like right now the, the the Kevin Durant debate about where he's going and all the value. And it's kind of weird. He couldn't win a game against the Celtics in the playoffs. And the NBA is the one league where at least a star yeah. player should be able to get one game. Uh, so it makes you wonder about his value. But in baseball, you're like, okay, well, you can't do this. Well, how, you know, do they need to rule changes? I mean, what should they do? Or nothing, perhaps. I mean, obviously, baseball would love for the Angels to be better. Major League Baseball would love to have the Angels be good. So Otani and Trout could be on their biggest stage when the most people are watching, when the advertisers are spending the most money. They would love that. They can't make that happen. Uh, there's no way they can make that happen. They can't tell the Angels, sorry, you, you can't have Otani anymore. We need to put him on the Dodgers so people can see him in October. That's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, there would be some, you would have to have pretty dramatic rule changes in order to turn baseball into a sport where the stars can really make the team win. Like, you know, instead of having all nine guys in the batting order, you just have the same three hit over and over again. I mean, that's, that's a whole different sport, <laughs> basically. but, uh, but other, you know, there's, there's really no way to do it. It's just the nature of baseball. And I don't think people should compare it to basketball or, or football. They're different. Yeah. You, you mentioned that Trout's not concerned about the attention. And you also mentioned that Otani's coming up in 2023 as a free agent. Um, is he content from what we know of him to, to have these you know, record career greatest seasons of all time, in a market where he maybe never gets a shot at the big stage? Um, no, he, he would love to win. Um, every player was, every player wants to win. Um, the question is, how much does he want to win? Uh, and there's other things that matter, specifically how much money you get paid and how comfortable are you, you know, in the environment you're in, the people you work around, the ballpark you play in, the community you live in, all that kind of stuff. So uh, where does winning fit in the, the list of priorities? And, you know, so if the Angels give him $500 million, is he willing to then say, oh, well, okay, I'll just hope that they're going to win. Or is he going to say, no, I would rather take, I, I still want to go someplace else where I can win. We don't know that. We'll find out in uh, 2023. How do you go about, um, you said that he's kind of quiet, kind of reserved, keeps himself how do you go about trying to get insights from someone like him? Because he's, he's so popular, but yet he's you know, um, insulated, if you will. Yeah, it's not, it's hard. I mean, you, you can't, uh, we only really get to talk to him after he pitches uh, occasionally after he has a big game offensively, you know, or when he's named to the all-star team or, or that kind of thing. And, uh, and then he's not really going to tell you like his deepest, darkest secrets. Like, you know, do you want to leave the angels because they don't, <laughs> right. He's not going to answer that question. You know, and no player would really. So, uh, but you do have less opportunity to really to get deep inside him. Well, it, it brings up an interesting question about um, modern day athletes and how they handle what they want to do with their career. So, if you, um, you know, like we just mentioned, Kevin Durant, he's kind of made some noise at least internally. Wants to trade. Kyler Murray took off all of his team's uh, uh, links on his Instagram to get a new contract. So, like, so, but then you have this is the other end of the spectrum, which is I'm not going to say anything. Um, and so it, it's always 
I mean, from a fan's perspective, we get frustrated that players do this or this, but we also get frustrated <laughs> when they don't do anything and we can't read their mind. And so <laughs> we put them in a no-win situation, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I will just say this about uh, players and wanting to win is that they all want to win, but, you know, they end up signing with all different teams. And a lot of times they sign with teams that haven't won because they offer them other things, you know, and, you know, is it, your life is, there's a lot of things that matter in your life uh, besides just do you get a ring on your finger. And so, you know, it's not just, I want to win the world series period. There's, there's other things that matter. And certainly I want to win a world series is up there, but you know, Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies. You yeah. Machado signed with the Padres. And I think, yeah. we're getting, I mean, I think we have kind of the modern, uh, <clears throat> debate shows who are always, you know, doing the, you know, the ring, you know, where do they rank? But, but also we've seen a lot of good to great players go to big markets, try to get the ring. They don't get the ring and it almost hurt their legacy for things that not necessarily in their control. You know, if you get one run through the playoffs and you're cold, you know, everyone remembers that one run that you went, you know, over for four in the big game or, or whatever. So there's an argument to be made. If you're going to get paid good money, you're living in a great weather environment. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's got the best, probably the best climate in uh, all of all of major league baseball and you're putting up good numbers and you're happy. Then, you know, there's an argument for that. And um, I think fan bases are more and more appreciating the loyal, the loyalty to the, to the brand. And so, um, yeah. Someone like Trout or Otani staying with the Angels for this for you know their entire career um, might be viewed as a positive. Yeah, I mean, like it happens in baseball all the time. Like Tony Gwynn, how many championships does Tony Gwynn win? Zero. Uh, how many did Ken Griffey Jr. win? Zero. He had a lot of bad years too. So. Yeah, um, tough years. You know, uh, Willie Mays won two hmm. in. 25 years of being greatest living player. Um, I think that Hank Aaron only won one, maybe, and that was like in Milwaukee. Yeah. So uh, it's just that's the way baseball is. You know, there's only one team that wins a World Series every year, and there's a lot of good players on the other teams. Yeah. So you have a forward by Joe Madden. What was that process like? And uh, I mean, he's very much a at least from the outsider's perspective, viewed as a player's coach. I'm sure he has glowing things to say about all players. What maybe was different about uh, his perspective on Otani? Well, you didn't have to twist his arm very hard to get him to say nice things about Otani. He loved Otani for rightly so. And uh, he had obviously a good perspective of being the guy who was sort of the narrator for his whole season. And, you know, a big part of what happened to Otani last year was the way Joe Madden managed him was allowing him to have the freedom to play when he wanted and they didn't force these rest days on him. And I think all of that was, you know, made Joe the perfect guy to write the forward. I'm, I'm really glad that he did it. Yeah. That's exactly where I wanted to go next was how many managers in modern major league baseball would manage him the way that Madden did not, not necessarily stylistically, but the rest and let him go DH and pitch. How many do you think would actually be open to that? I mean, I think you know, it was also partly Perry Manassian, the, the general manager, also had this idea. And so the two of them combined kind of came up with, you know, let's just try this. And I think certainly other managers might have tried the same thing because what they had done for the first three years didn't work. So I think, you know, even if, you know, Brad Osmus was the manager before Madden, they might have reached the same conclusion with him. 
to say let's just let him do what he needs to do um you know i think it was a it was kind of a last resort effort so what was your favorite part in putting together the book a story an anecdote a research an interview i think one of the most interesting parts of it is the process from him going from japan to picking a team in the major leagues because it was really a circumstance that was unlike anything else that we've seen in baseball history because usually players who enter major league baseball it's either by the draft which in case there's no choice the player doesn't have a choice or he's just a free agent so then it's the team that offers the most money but uh, what was really weird about Otani was because of the age he was and the fact that he was coming from outside the United States at a time when the rules were changing. Basically, he's this huge star, you know, in Japan, so good that every team in baseball wanted him. Yet also because his the amount of money he could get as a bonus was limited, pretty much every team could afford him. So even the Kansas City Royals could go right up next to the New York Yankees and have the same kind of financial uh effort to get Otani. So it became a recruiting thing, like a high school kid getting recruited to colleges where they really had to convince him this was the place to come play beyond just writing the biggest check. And so the teams made these presentations for him. They they made all these fancy videos and booklets and stuff like that. And uh, that was a really interesting process. And, and how long does that process, you mentioned the rules changes, how long did that process take? Uh, it was pretty quick. He uh, basically got to the United States, or they they sort of opened it up right around Thanksgiving of 2017. They basically sent a letter to the teams that said, Otani's coming, send us your best uh, promotional material, so to speak. And he picked the Angels on December 7th or 8th, I believe. So that whole thing went uh, very quickly. Are, are the Angels a... Um pretty big franchise in japan or was it was that not well, they are now <laughs> um but they were not before that so that was why i think people were kind of surprised that he picked them right because you would think you know yankees maybe red sox something like that would exactly. be dodgers perhaps i don't know yeah mariners mariners okay yeah and, and what's and so yeah i was you, you said he's, he is now how what has happened to him in japan since he's been here i mean i think he was a major star in japan before and then once he got here and was successful here it just really exploded. And, uh, you know, I think last year when he had the season he had and won the MVP, I think that made him, you know, uh, they were like had holiday for him in Japan. There was a, a big building, I think, in Tokyo that they lit up in a certain color. I think they lit it up red for him in honor of him winning the MVP. So uh, the, the city at Northern Japan, where he's his hometown, they have Otani Day on the 17th of every month, <laughs> his number 17. Wow. And everybody around town wears an Otani jersey, just like all over. Like you go to the doctor and he's wearing an Otani jersey. So that's pretty crazy. If you could ask him one question and get an honest answer, what would it be? Oh, boy. I would like to know uh, if he wants to stay with the Angels. That's it. That's a big one, huh? Yeah, that's the question on everybody's mind right now, especially because, you know, the Angels are bad, obviously, and – He's got, you know, one year left after this one. And, you know, it's going to be difficult for the Angels to convince him that they can be good. And also just financially, 
the amount of money he's going to get if they're going to give that money to him and they've all already given a bunch to Mike Trout they've already given a bunch to Anthony Rendon you know it's it's not going to be easy to to still have a, a good team or to try to have a better team when you're paying three guys right whatever that would be 110 million dollars or something you can't pull it off okay and then one of the things I was thinking about earlier I meant to ask um to my the training stuff the, the thing that's obviously in the cloud over baseball going back to the early 2000s was that the PDs and all that stuff. I guess there's been no whiff of that or, or teams aren't concerned that that's going to come up at some point. They, they feel like he's able to, you mentioned the body, the training, the the rest, they feel like he's able to do this and there's no, no concerns of, um, you know, him getting popped for 50 games in the future. I mean, they have testing, so he's tested as much as everybody else in the majors. So I don't know what else to say about that. He's, uh, you know, as much as, I don't think he's any different than any other player. I mean, Juan Soto, you know, he's a big star. Everybody loves him. Talking about giving him a huge contract is the same risk with him as anybody. Do we? Th- do you think we kind of moved on from that concerns maybe in Major League Baseball now then? I mean, I'm sure there's still guys that are doing it, but I think that we're not really as bothered by it because we know the testing probably eliminated a lot of it. And there's, you know, a few people that sneak through and, you know, we're not seeing – guys who go from being kind of nobodies to hitting 40 homers right which is what we saw back in the steroid era so i think that whatever's going on uh people are okay with it okay all right so you mentioned you might add a chapter to the book if he wins another mvp and maybe another chapter if it's back to back to back so we you have that any other new projects on your on your horizons uh no this is uh this is all i can handle so <laughs> okay, and where do you want to send people to that uh obviously we're linked to the book on um for Amazon, but website, Twitter, where do you mean push people to? Um my Twitter is uh Jeff Fletcher OCR. And if people just go to that, they will be directed to everything else that I have going on, all my stories on the Orange County Register and uh things about the book and, and all of that. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you again for your time. We'll link to the book. Listeners go check that out. And uh if you had to bet, will you be writing another chapter? at the end of the season? That's a good question. I think right now he's the favorite for the MVP, but uh, there's still a long way to go. It's still July, so we'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. All right, thank you. Okay, folks, that is it. Do you think it's the greatest season ever played? Concerned about steroids, PED use? Curious your thoughts, and where can you let me know? At the newsletter, ryanracingyourcom slash newsletter, and let me know your thoughts right there respond to all the comments. So thank you for those who have subscribed and look forward to talking to the rest of you real soon.